This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK. My name is Pedro Orantes, and I'm joined once again, even though it feels like we've been, we haven't seen each other for a month, but I'm joined again by the Hunt Brothers. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Actually, can't complain. Thank you for uh, thank you for using me first. It's um obviously a lovely lovely way to start the podcast for everybody involved. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Alex's enraged face over the Zoom is not happy. He's got second billing. Alex, how are you doing over there? <laughs> Had better days. <laughs> no, I'm all good. Happy New Year to you both. Both of you over in the American continent. Yes. I'm the odd one out now. I'm the only one here in Europe. We're everywhere in the world, right? Are we? Technically, but at the moment, during filming, Chris is in the US and you're in Mexico, so I'm the odd one out here. That's yeah. why. That's that's enough. That counts as everywhere in the world for me. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yes, and of course, Happy New Year's, and hopefully all of our listeners had a wonderful Christmas as well. What a wholesome note to start this podcast on. Yes. It won't carry on that way, I don't think. Absolutely bloody not. I hope so. For once in my life, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so what are we going to do for today's episode, Pedro? Well, we're going to review the best bits and probably the worst bits as well of the Mm. entire racing year. We are, of course, an F1 podcast, but being three motorsport nerds, I mean, I think we indulge in every little bit of motorsport, not just F1. (laughs) So I guess we should start. What was the best part of the year in f1 according to you guys oh that's i would go to, i'd go just a championship battle happening at every round there was yeah. all it was it was it's like for me 2020 is one of the best years because you're constantly going into it not knowing who was going to be winning and not knowing who was going to come out on top and it was the same this year yes it was only two drivers but they were the class of the field and it was great fun to watch yeah, uh, I'm gonna, to piggyback on that point, yeah, to see two drivers who are just absolutely on top of their machinery. I mean, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. How many races did we see where halfway through the race they're 40 seconds up the road and their teammates are they're taking the next positions, but they're nowhere near. I mean, it's it's quite something to see that sort of competitiveness, especially after we've been used to Hamilton, not just being Hamilton by himself, actually, for the last couple of years, to see on coming up to that and having a bit more battle for it, even if the races were just, you know, kind of long, like long drawn out races, just knowing that something could, if like, if there was a, a tire to go and there to be an extra pit stop, that instead of it being a free pit stop, they go out and come back out again, just knowing that could have huge ramifications, not only for the championship, but for the race. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And you, Pedro? I would say that one, but that one then morphed into the rules and Michael Massey and everything we saw that I really don't want to get back. I will have to get back into, but I don't want to. Um, So I guess the the best thing for me in the year was seeing Ferrari sort of coming back of sorts. Mm. Mm. I say something I was going to say of a similar note. It was quite nice knowing that third place or second or even in a few cases first could be occupied by different teams. I mean, I'm obviously we're all happy yeah. to see McLaren on the top step, Lee seeing Norris getting four podiums, Signs getting the most podiums for Ferrari this year, and just you know Alonso getting a podium, Ocon getting a podium, Vettel hopefully, well, sorry, Vettel should have should be having two podiums, that sort of thing. Just to know that the third place could be so mixed up and so 
unexpected. And I added a bit more because how many times have we seen that tweet, which is, it's the Harry Potter tweet and it's uh, Verstappen, Hamilton and Bottas. It's every time an F1 session ends, it's always you three. How nice is it that we didn't have that this time around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That's nice. It wasn't constant. Mm. Now, what was the worst part of the season? Can we all agree that we're going to go with the Abu Dhabi bit and we can go into that later? I'm going to find another one, but I think in terms of we know what happened and on a sporting level, that is absolutely the worst thing that's happened Mm. this season. On a sporting level, yes. Yes, exactly. That's why I said sporting level. That's why I said sporting level. Just to clarify that point. That's why I'm being very specific with my word in there. But other than that, Oh, the worst bit. I've got, I've got mine. Go for it. First of all, my serious, really serious, 100% serious answer mm. is that we didn't see more of George Russell. Um, but secondly, the actual one, is that um, Lando Norris in Russia, that was heartbreaking. Like, just I, I know McLaren had just won the race previously, and I know that obviously they, they still had quite a few podiums, got pole position. There was just something about watching that race and feeling comfortable and being like, God, I know exactly how this is going to end. And it was the same with Baku. I was like, Verstappen's winning. I know exactly how this is going to fit. And you always get the last word cut off. And while with Baku, that was, okay, bad from a Verstappen fan's point of view, possibly. Enough happened in the rest to make up for it. With Norris's one, there wasn't really anything to make up for the fact that he lost that win. Yeah. Especially when it's like, hey, you got seventh. And yeah. especially, and also now knowing how much they dropped off after that race, that could have been at least the last hurrah for them. I know Norris still scored some points, but still, the the end of the end of the season for McLaren wasn't superb. So to have it started by losing a race win, that's probably the that's that that's the you know you know the memes where it's all dark and sketchy and the the Pearson's eyes are really sad. That's that moment for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> So Alex, what was your worst bit of the uh, the year? I think just the whole of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It was just a shambles from everyone, from Peter Mazzi, FIA stewarding, and then you've got Verstappen doing what he did, which was very poor. And then the more you look back on what Hamilton was doing in that race, you go, yeah, you were pretty crap too. Mm-hmm. And it's I must the, say- all together just made it a bit of a crap shoot, to be honest. I must say, it's something interesting because obviously opinions change as time goes on. As uh, what, is, what does Jackie Stewart call the distilling period, right? I didn't know how you'd feel over the t- distilling period, especially with Hamilton's behaviour. Because at the time, I'm, I remember you saying oh, that was pretty off too. It's interesting that that's, that bit's become a bit more intense as time's gone on, just from your perspective. The problem is I hold Hamilton to a higher standard because he is as dominant as Senna and Schumacher, but he's cleaner. Mm. almost 100% of the time he's cleaner than those two were but the way yeah. he races it's he isn't the proponent of pushing people off the track uh, I think he only does because it's now become the norm that wasn't I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say that was his idea at the time but for him to act essentially act like a not petulant child but act like he's in a kart race in these age of nine it just didn't you don't push people off the track no matter how much they've pissed you off yeah. I was going to say, can I have a sneaky bonus for my worst bit of the year for F1? Go on. Now, this one isn't related to any races, any racers, but it is Formula One Twitter. My God, this year that was foul. <laughs> it's still bad now. That's the issue. The ramifications- 2022 started badly as well. <laughs> yeah, that's in the ramifications this year. It's still going. And it's the stuff as well. It's like, they'll be like, hey, today it's 
I don't know, like, just this is a point. This is just a point I'm making. So they'll be like, "Hey, it's Fagioli's birthday today," and it sounds like, "Yeah, but Lewis Hamilton's an eight-time world champion in my eyes." And it's like, oh, for the love of God! <laughs> and the thing is, it's been that way the entire season, and uh, it just makes you, it just makes you glad that Twitter wasn't about Insider and Prost because oh my, my God, God, could you imagine? My God, well, the thing I'm finding with the Hamilton, particularly from Team LH people, which yes, we've gone through it; it's been wronged, etc. Supporting regulations, etc. However, the problem is if you put a legitimate argument as to the problem, i.e. the FIA, and then put hashtag I stand with Lewis Hamilton, you lose the argument on the basis you making yourself look partisan when in fact the issue is not partisan, it is a an all-round issue for everyone. Yeah. That's a, so you in fact lose the hit of the argument you're making, which is annoying on many levels. Well, let's face it, Twitter loves a hashtag, and hashtag I stand Lewis Hamilton is dramatic enough that people will get a sense of fulfilment if they use it. No offence to anybody who uses that hashtag who listens to our platform. Twitter loves it so much that it's actually sort of like, it's infecting. I almost didn't want to use the word infecting, given, you know, the times we live in. Um, but it's infecting other series. Oh, really? Yes, hashtag I stand with Chase Elliott. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. There's not a hashtag I stand with Brandon, is there? I, I hope only not. for Joe. Only for Joe Biden. <laughs> I hope there is not, but there's there's quite a bit of controversy with that too. Yeah. Um, what was your biggest disappointment in the season? Not Abby Dabby, but other than that, um, ooh, uh-huh. Norris. Yeah, Norris is up there. The Belgian Grand Prix, actually. Yes. I think I'd call yes. that the biggest disappointment. Yeah. Because um, that was just so poorly handled. Mm. Uh, I would, I probably would have said Spa, but I'm going to go with the British Grand Prix, mainly for the for, for what happened afterwards, and also because Silverstone, as you know, is my absolute favourite track. I wanted the wheel to wheel race for. I wanted the wheel-to-wheel race. I didn't really mind who won as long as it would have been a good race. Obviously, I had my preferences. And to see the kind of battle ended by the first corner, I know we then had Hamilton catching Leclerc and overtaking him. But that seemed, to me at that point, that seemed like a done deal. That seemed like that was going to happen. So that was a disappointment for me. The race that I look forward to most this year, being somewhat quelled by a first lap incident. Shoot, mm-hmm. sure, I got to go with Spires 1, for sure. But I guess, I guess I expected more of, out of Giovinazzi. Mm, yes. A bit more out yeah. of, uh, of uh, Yuki Tsunoda. Tsunoda's an odd one because he's clearly got something good in him. But the middle part of his season was so disappointing. Yeah. I can't put my finger on how you get out of it. It's bizarre. I'm not a professional sportsman, so clearly I'm not going to know. But yeah, it's a very long slump he was in. It's interesting to see if he's going to do a bit of a Rosberg. Um, Rosberg's championship winning season, obviously, he came off the back of a very strong 2015 where he won the pre- the last three races, last four races, whatever it was, yeah. and then won a load in a row. Sonoda seemed to be ending the season very strong with an almost unsighted fourth place finish in Abu Dhabi. If he can somehow turn it into an upswing into 2022, then I imagine we'll probably quickly forget about some of the more like Paul Ricard moments uh, this year, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be dependent on that. Obviously, you got to give him some brief, some time for a rookie. It didn't help that he had such a good start because then people's expectations were high and that's always going to plummet. Um, I think you're right about Giovinazzi though. I think back on that, like, Giovinazzi had a good season. Like, I know he did quite well against Kimi. 
But then you break it down and you go, actually, did he do that well against Kimmy? He didn't have as many. He outraced him, outqualified him, didn't have as many points. And Italy, like, which again, one of the things about Giovinazzi, his best weekends are also his worst. Like that one race in Spa, I think, in his debut season, where he was. Yeah, 2019. He's on set for a good chunk of points, had a flawless race, then crashed. Same with, same with Italy. Put himself into amazing qualifying positions, screwed it up straight away. So, yeah, I think Giovinazzi is a good call that I'd be absolutely in the same ballpark. Italian Jesus, as a certain uh, Kiwi says. Um, what's the thing you're most excited about 2022? That seems like a dangerous question, uh, you know, given how much we've questioned 2022 in this show. But, I mean, you're excited for something. I'm excited for the first of 14 consecutive George Russell World Championships, personally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, Russell is one to see that mix up, to see possibly a bit of a, an interesting change there. I think that everyone who's watching, everyone who's in F1, everyone is on tenterhooks about what these cars are going to perform like. Recently, we had Lando Norris saying it's going to be closer to F2, where maybe you're actually fighting the car a little bit more. And of course, with the being closer to follow, different regulations... That's going to be the one. I feel like that's probably top on all of our minds. So I'm going to say that is my main one, but Russell and the Mercedes for me personally, because based on Sakir, I just, I hope, I hope we get to see something good there. Cause I'm, that's my main, that's the main thing I'm looking forward to really, not including the massive re- regulation changes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso. Because as Chris has just said there, that you've got to properly throw in, throw the car around a bit. And we know how, uh, Alonso is not a smooth driver. You can see him soaring at the wheel when he's going down any straight. And <laughs> he's if you if all the cars are actually closing up enough, and he's within if he's within a quarter of a second of pole. Actually, to be honest, if he's within half a second of pole on a Saturday, he's in with a chance of winning on the Sunday. Yeah. So it's if that Alpine is quick enough to be near about to the front. I think we could have our first 40 plus year world champion for decades. The, the, yeah, that's because they're saying the, there's a thing on the F1, which is the last person who was on the podium that was 40 plus was Schumacher and then yep. Mansell. So, yep. race winner would be quite interesting because I assume the last 40 plus Mansell. Was, yeah. Yeah, it's Mansell 94, Australia. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see him winning races. I can see him actually being involved in the championship if that Alpine is on it. Now, and that would be very exciting to watch. Will it be more possible than Ocon? I would still put my money on Alonso at this point over a whole season. Okay. I think uh, Ocon will probably potentially could out-qualify him. I qualify him more. Probably get a few race wins if that Alpine is good, but I would put money on Alonso constantly finishing top five, yeah, top mm-hmm. six, and just building up points. I do rate Ocon reasonably well, but I rate Alonso more. I, I still think Ocon's season with the Force Indies is yet to be replicated because there's a season where he and Perez both outscored fifth place in the championship just by their own points. I feel like we're yet to have that those sorts of performances and consistency back. Obviously, there was a rather fractious element between the two drivers, um, but I feel like we're yet to see that Ocon again, even though he did win the race, which I still kind of attribute to Alonso's defensive performance. So overall, I'd probably put it on um, Alonso's court. You, Pedro? I got a goal, Con. No, I meant as your the thing you're looking forward to most next year. Oh, um, Jesus. Well, Russell's won. And also, I mean, seeing all these little beats and pieces that we were missing, seeing them come back, 
I mean, Australia is going to be back in the calendar. Um, is it only if you're vaccinated? I'm <laughs> saying <Jeez>. no. <laughs> the previous news about Novak Djokovic, yeah, not being lessened because he's not vaccinated. There's any F1 yeah. drivers who aren't fully vaccinated? That could be quite fun. Yeah, we'll find that. None of them. If, yeah, we'll get to find out who hasn't been. I was thinking F1 exclusively F1, and the look he gave to me was like, "Oh no, shit! They cancel it again," and I didn't know. Okay. That's the thing. Last year, I was so looking forward to the changes they made to Melbourne. And that's it immediately. Not yeah. happening. Yeah. Changes, I think, will make a difference, especially with the... Ca- like, granted, I think it wouldn't have made too much of a difference last year with those cars. With the cars we have now, I think this could be quite a fun race. I've always I've always had a soft spot for Melbourne anyway, because I love. I remember watching it, like, getting up really early with Alex and Dad when I was much younger. It's always, it always Australia. Always Melbourne was the first race of the year. There's always that excitement. So I've got a soft spot for it anyway. So to see it back would be good. And to see it back and actually delivering some really, really decent racing could be fantastic. It's the third race this year. Yeah. Yeah. No. Bahrain, Bahrain, Saudi. Oh yeah, Saudi. Then yeah, and Australia. Yeah, Saudi is the second race. It's going to be fun. <laughs> that's going to be carnage. You're not supposed to bring your car that soon in the season. No. Well, I think all the I know everyone was it Ferrari? Was it Lauren Mekis was saying that every crash is going to affect um the budget for um development. I yeah. think everyone's develop development budget's gonna be affected at Saudi. Everyone's gonna lose at least five hundred K. Yeah. Last thing is um is there is there a support series at Saudi again? Is F is F two there? I hope not. No. I thought F two started from Imola. I okay. could be wrong. No, Bahrain. Don't they start at Bahrain? I think they skip. Do they skip Saudi? Oh just God, I can't remember. Because that because that caused some issues last time with the um the amount of time things were taking. The F two calendar was ma- massively, massively screwed up by a few things that happened. Uh, yeah. Yes, they are. Yep, F two is going to be at Saudi, so that could That's be an interesting be twist. In I, the I, I do gotta say the one thing that I'm looking forward to, and I almost don't want to say it because this is not very analytical or very journalistic coming from me. But oh. purely as a fan, um, I will not have the chance or most likely won't have the chance to cover um, any Grand Prix. I mean, as, as you know, as a member of the press this year for my, you know, my day to day job. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a possibility that I end up going to as a fan to the Jewish GP and the Mexican GP. Oh, fantastic. I that's never, nice. I've done either one or the other one, but never both of them. So I'd say, yeah, as that's a so sorry. Have you you said you've been to those races or you've never been to those races? Yeah, I've been to either the USGP or the Mexican GP in a given year, but I've never been to both of them. That's the thing. I did two races in a row. I did um I did Britain and Hungary back in 2017. And you think, oh, it's, it's not going to be the same the second time around. I'll be too close since the last race. No, nah, no, the, the thrills there is great. And seeing different circuits, absolutely, I can't recommend it enough. I, I do gotta say that even being you know the, the same track, going to F1 at uh, at Kota and then going to IndyCar, it feels incredibly different. Oh, in a good way or a bad way for F1? Because I can imagine the atmosphere at an IndyCar race being a bit more, a bit more like a music festival. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, and you're talking to a NASCAR fan that like the, you know I like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, that's, that's, that's 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 exactly, and that's the, that was the comparison between Britain and Hungary. Britain was a very sort of excited racing affair, and then in Hungary, there's like massive pools, a DJ the entire time there's racing going on, which is great fun. It is it's nice to see the comparison. I would love to see an IndyCar race in particular because I feel like there's probably 
the American pride that I imagine comes with IndyCar over like, you know, European pride, I guess, which we don't really have for F1. I've like most people watch F1 are just motor racing fans. I feel like with IndyCar, there's a whole sort of like, you know, American spectacle that goes with it. Like the, the national anthem beforehand, the, the, the traditions, all that sort of thing. I feel like there's probably, probably a bit chalk and chalk and cheese in some cases. I mean, you've, you've seen NASCAR, right? I mean, you watch the Martinsville race. Oh yes. Yeah. Take that, but just turn it down a notch and mix it with a little bit of class. It's 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 almost like the like the Daytona 24. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I, and if you're gonna go to the IndyCar race, I'd have thought going to an oval. Maybe even the Indy 500 would be the one to start with. Oh, Indy oh, 500. Yes. Imagine that'd be incredible. 300,000 people in a stadium, basically. In a as it, is for, <laughs> as it is pretty much for all NASCAR races. And it's, yeah. Oh. I always thought that wasn't NASCAR the most watched sport on a yearly basis or something in person. I mean, they're transitioning from that because the racing was pretty crappy and the you know everything got very political. So all the guys that went to the races and, and went Sunday after Sunday to the track were just sort of the sort of Trump supported kind of guys. Yeah. And now that they're they're transitioning from this new sort of like very liberal sort of way of you know just handling themselves. Attendance is going down, but at the same time, it's slowly climbing up because of all the new fans they're bringing in. Yeah, I must say, and also there's something which I noticed from your Twitter um, over the week, uh, Pedro, is that the um, the logo change they did for a little bit, which you said was about damn time, uh, where they've added yes. the uh, LG- LGBTQ plus colors to the NASCAR logo, and mm-hmm. you said that was about damn time. I've seen, obviously, I've seen quite a few irate people about that choice, unsurprisingly, but you said yes, that's about time. Yeah. It, it is about time because whether you agree or disagree with it, it presents it presents your show, your series, to the world as a proper racing series. Yeah, because you carry yourself respectively and you do sort of the same things, you know, the politically correct things that everyone else does. Yeah. I think as well, the transition as well, saying is like the slow, like I know up until this point, they've been kind of drip feeding changes. Like I know this isn't going to sound like drip feeding, but removing the Confederate flag from events in the last couple of years, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think you're entirely right about the professional series coming through there. And yeah, while it's going to piss off some people, I get the feeling that most of the people that's going to piss off aren't there for the racing. I mean, the people that's, that that's piss off already left. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's what many people don't get. The, the people that are playing, you know, being pissed on social media, They're literally just trolls and they're playing with it. The, mm. the Those diehards, you know, they left when the Confederate flag was taken down. Yeah. Which is probably a good filtering process, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gonna be effective, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I do gotta say that I am more excited about NASCAR than F1. It, it, feel, <laughs> it feels weird to say it and it feels even weirder to say it publicly, you know, because this thing's gonna be You know, we're going to post this as we always do. But yeah, as I was writing my uh, my recap for the series for, for NASCAR, I did realize that I am very proud as a fan of NASCAR, mm. the way they've, they've taken the series, and incredibly ashamed of how F1 handled yeah. itself this year. So just to, just to clarify, guys, for all of our listeners, Pedro is saying that NASCAR is better than F1, and he is at, at Pedro Durantes98 on Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> You pull that handle this quick. And I'm going to usurp all of you by saying BTCC next year is going to be even better. 
Dan Camish and Ash Sutton in the same team driving Ford Focuses. That's going to be nuts. This F1 podcast, which is just doing its F1 review, has now just said, don't watch it, watch every other motorsport instead. (laughs) Basically, well, we've got to say the WEC's coming in, haven't we? We've got... We got some new um, hypercars coming in for WEC, so that's gonna. Was that this year? Or was that next year? Is this Either way, that's coming up soon. Yeah, it's coming up this, this year, so think, that's going to be fun to watch as well. I personally think the Indy car is going to be outstanding this year as well. Yeah, I think it will. Oh yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> it's four it's, it's more but it's going to be it's going to be quite fun to watch. I've heard the F3 and F2 are going to be good. It's just a shame that there's not one, a, a, a category slightly higher up with more power and more. That's the thing. The Formula 2 drive. calendar this year looks fantastic. It's just the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got some great tracks. I can see oh, it's going to be fantastic this summer. Yeah, we've got Formula E as well. Don't forget Formula E. That's going to be mad. Actually, no, don't watch Formula E. That's so that, that one we can yeah. skip, possibly. That yeah, we can skip that one. Wasn't it? <laughs> that's it. To be fair, on your point, Pedro, I'm going to make more of an effort to watch more NASCAR this year. So actually, I'm getting quite excited about it too, because the, the race I watched last year was fantastic. And I did the same with IndyCar. I kind of watched a few races, then I watched the season. I'm going to try and do the same with NASCAR this year. So this this, this is going to be an interesting year for podcasts, from this um, uh, company at least. Yes. Um, <laughs> Don't forget, WRC's got hybrid engines coming in there, so that's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> IndyCar is having uh, hybrid engines as well. Oh, even more reason to watch. Ooh. No, it's yeah. excellent. It's 2023. And to be fair, the first proper racing event coming up is a Daytona 24 hours. So you might as well watch that series if you watch the first I think, one. I think you'll find it's happening right now. It's called the Dakar Rally. Oh, that's that's di- that's different. That's different. I feel, I feel Dakar Rally because it's, it's so big. And also, there's nobody really easy. Extreme E, Alex. We can watch that. Um. No. <laughs> no, don't do that to yourselves. Yeah, we did that to ourselves in December. It, it was well. The one lap stuff was fun. Yeah, the other stuff was a bit. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to circuit racing. <laughs> weeks are needed for it. Yeah, last thing because we're kind of getting into we're we're really at the point where there's we're at the kind of like apart from the Dakar as you said we're at the point where there's not really any racing happening for a significant amount of time which means the hype is building which is a good thing but lots of people are saying the F1 season still ended too recently they're still working off that before they can get excited about the testing and the uh, new liveries and such. Wondering if you guys are you feeling that similar burnout? Problem is I'm used to the '90s where you'd finish in October and you wouldn't hear anything from anyone until February when they started launching the cars. And the only stuff you could look for was stuff in Autosport or other magazines. Yeah. So it's there was a time where you'd have four months off, basically, and it was just, it just doesn't exist. F1 doesn't exist anymore. You've got no social media, you've got nothing, and no websites. And now it's, tw- it's F1 24-7. Yeah. So whilst it's good in some ways, it takes away a little bit. Hmm, when you build up to the season. Hmm. It, How about yeah, you, Pedro? Just, just to add on that point, in my case, it, it has literally made me mentally tired. I mean, I, I've had, you know, NASCAR's, NASCAR or IndyCar or whatever, you know, series you can put in front of me. A story about that thing and then a story about NASCAR, eight times out of ten, I'm going to choose the other story, not the F1 um, hmm. article. It, it's gotten that bad with me. And and no, I'm not ready for the season yet. 
Yeah. I'm looking for next next year will be all right because the season finishes in November, doesn't it? Because of the World Cup. They don't want it clashing. Yeah. So you've got a nice, decent break till March 2023. And that's going to be a lovely little break, particularly if this year is as intense as it was last year. Yeah. I must say, despite this, I am looking forward to racing coming back in one shape or form or another. I think I'm more excited to see IndyCar return currently because that ended quite a while ago and we've still got quite a bit until it actually kicks off properly. And just the, well, that's what, February, isn't it? Yeah, it is February. Yeah, yeah it's early, February. isn't it? So it's still got, we still got a bit of time. So my, my, my hype is building for that one at the moment. But it's it's NASCAR, guys. That's where it's at. <laughs> New cars, you know, fastest car in the history of the sport, sequential gearboxes, adjustable Ooh. suspension from the wheels. is the first time a wheel's going to have... No. Yes, yes. Fantastic. If you were in Florida, you would you would be losing your mind, Alex. And to be fair, it starts off early in IndyCar too, so that's it. I'm flocking to NASCAR. Yep. And it's like first uh, week of February or something, isn't it? The 500. It's February 20th. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. And God. the centered locking wheels. There's only one lug nut now. God bless America. Yes. <laughs> he says currently in America. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think you're, you know, that that bit, your side of the states doesn't really have that much fan base for NASCAR. From what I've seen around here, there's not too much stuff about it, really. Uh, I was going to say, you're, you're going to get more ice hockey and American football out there, aren't you? Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of stuff about the, um, about, uh, yeah, baseball's a big one here. I went past the soccer stadium and that was not being used at all. Where you at? <laughs> Sorry? Remind me where you at? Uh, I'm in DC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that's probably the reason my football's not happening there. On that note, chaps, I need to pop off now, so you can talk for a little bit more, whatever you want to do, and you know, end off the podcast. But I'm afraid I need to hop, so I shall catch you guys later. And hopefully next week I'll be back in Britain, and we can do a longer podcast, set based on a sport of some kind. See you next week. Best right. of luck. And it's a shame you don't have soccer now because DC soccer is actually pretty good. Oh really? Oh, I'll have to look into it. Hey, anyway, enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll see you guys soon. Okay. Bye bye. See you later. So, um, so Chris has abandoned us. Um, yes, we so he's like wimped out 20 more minutes in the show. Ooh, well, are we going to keep going on best bits of each individual series? Or are we going to keep that for, for well, Chris? I mean, we're just rambling about. So, the, the thing that I was actually going to ask, uh, how do you spend your F1F off season? I spend it. Ironically, just watching football because we got because we got Premier League, which is big, and then we've got FA Cup and other things like that. And over Christmas, most football leagues in Europe they stop, mm-hmm. so you get a Christmas break if you're in France, Germany, etc. Here, you in Britain, you get all the matches you could ever want, assuming they've not been cancelled because of COVID. So the Christmas period is just full of football, and it's a good way of just turning off from motorsport because it's something else to watch mm. and well, i tend not to watch much football when there's f1 on <laughs> well i was gonna motorsport. say and I, and I shouldn't say this but i do also have all the football i can want you know why Go because on. nbc broadcast the premier league over here and i got peacock for free nice <laughs> illegal nice. premier league that's how you do it uh, that is that is the way a lot of people did it, including the Saudi Arabians, who now own one of the teams. Um, <laughs> but okay, so yeah, yeah. So Peacock actually, they've um, 
I think it's going to keep the um, IndyCar and Sky in the UK because they've teamed up with Sky. Oh, okay. There is some sort of joint venture going on between the two of them. So what are you so, having on Peacock on that side of the world? I think we're getting Peacock programming just on Sky. On Sky, So we've got so Sky Atlantic is um, essentially HBO for British people. So it's got all the HBO mm-hmm. shows. So it's got your real-time Bill Maher, had Game of Thrones, all that sort of thing. So I think Peacock and Sky are going to do something similar with that in some way. But hold on, means hold, hold on. And I, I think this is proper for the show because this is off-season stuff and there's nothing going on. Um, That's true. So you don't have HBO Max over there? No. Well, I think we can get it, but we don't have HBO as a channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, so That's the closest we get is, um, yeah, Sky Atlantic, which has all the HBO shows. And that's, okay. I think, must be the agreement they have with them. And yeah, I think something similar will be happening with Peacock. Oh, that's that's which is fine. With that means we get IndyCar in Britain still. Will you get charged for it extra? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to affect us directly. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's consumers cool. directly. But, yeah. Over here, they do charge you for it. Do they? Ooh, yeah. Um, well, a- there is a free version of it, but it, they, they sort of behave like. Uh, Almost when you're watching a very long YouTube video that you have ads in the middle of it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And, and it's always at the worst time. Yeah, I mean, 99% of people don't want it, so I just pay my five bucks every month. Yeah, it's probably fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uninterrupted support is what you want, really, isn't it? Yep, true. And I gotta say the thing that I've been doing a lot this offseason is watching rugby. Ah, interesting. I've seen a lot of rugby. Which what what league? I don't I don't know what America what rugby occurs in your part I would, of the world. Well, mostly Premiership. I've become a diehard Tigers fan. Oh, you're ah uh, okay, all right. Roster fan. I'm a Tiger. Um, Hang on, is that rugby league or rugby union? That's rugby union. Okay, I, club rugby is something well over my head. Yeah, international um, rugby I can get on with, but. Mm. <laughs> See, that's why I went to club rugby because I I just couldn't I just couldn't finish that process of learning of learning the rules with just international matches. Yeah, it is a proper. It's like yeah, it's football, but more complicated. Yes, it's like if the FIA were running football. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's more confusing. It's clearly done for safety reasons because of what you do when you playing rugby it's much like American football it's particularly violent on occasion but yeah it's um yeah hard to get your head around but it is still if you've got the basics it's all good uh, well you mentioned American football the funny thing and I, I mentioned it to everyone who has tried to watch rugby with me um, American football tried to implement a sort of similar tackle uh, from rugby's a couple of years ago and everyone hated it Really? What is in the tackling around the waist? Uh, sort of. I'm hugging him. I'm hugging you, and then I'm taking you down oh, instead of just. Yeah, that's what I mean. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, because you can't in rugby. You can't essentially clothesline people because um, you're not wearing the protection, so you're not going to get away with it. And it is. It's more about um, how do I put this? It's more about technique with rugby rather than just taking someone out. You've got to do it in such a way. You've got, to, you've got to take them out properly. And yeah, from my recollection of watching American football, there is no technique other than just take them out. 
Oh, oh crap, we have 10 minutes left. Okay. Um, oh. Yep. <laughs> oh. There is technique, but the thing is, it's a technique that it shouldn't be safe anywhere in the world. To the point that Harvard has a couple of guys in their uh, sports science department that are convinced that football would be safer without helmet. Because mm. if you had no helmet, people would instinctively don't go for the head as they usually do. Oh, that is an interesting idea. Oh, I quite like and, that. And you wouldn't use because you have the helmet. So like the thing they teach you for ages. I mean, I've never played American football. I don't have the body for it, uh, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> but many people in my family have played American football. And the thing that they teach you from the very beginning is that you're supposed to hit with your helmet. Oh, God, no. Everything goes helmet oh. first. No, that's no. Oh, no. Yep. No, in rugby, it's, it's hit with your shoulder in rugby. And it's painful. I'm, I'm much like yourself. I'm not built for rugby. And... <laughs> doing it at a school it was i it was painful i've got height on my side but it doesn't help when you've got no bulk <laughs> and it just you get slammed and it's not what you want mm-hmm. yeah i mean and it's 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 weird actually i hadn't thought about this one thing that i'm gonna say but it's funny because every single time they bring out a new helmet which is usually mm-hmm. adopted but by most of the league every time they bring out a new helmet they do highlight it as if this thing is more protective and it's going to prevent you from getting hurt when you hurt other people. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> I quite like... Yeah, I quite like that, actually. It's, you know, you're going to be safer, but no one else will. No one else will be safe. <laughs> uh, that feels like a very American football kind of way of doing it. Because it is. It, it, it just is. Um, just... <laughs> And it's not, I mean, it's 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 odd living here with with American football. It's it's very odd because there's a lot of passionate diehard fans. Mm. And I just told a friend of mine the other day that I'm happy I have to work Sundays because I won't have to watch the Super Bowl. Oh, <laughs> and and he went out of his mind. Really? Oh man, I I have tried to watch multiple Super Bowls, and each time I can't work out what's going on. And I'm entirely in your camp on that one. You know, I, I watch it as a social event. Hey, yeah, if you go around, yeah, I did it at uni. It was you go around, uh, there was an American football team at my university and one of my friends was a player on that team and there was a, I seem to remember going watching the Super Bowl at one point, but it was, you go for the, it's, it's like watching darts in Britain. It's, <laughs> It's it's as much the party of being around other people as well as the sport. Yeah. And in some ways, that's much like motorsport. Because it's, no, 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 no. I, I would argue in some ways, the British Grand Prix, if you've got everyone in the right mood, it's as much fun just being part of that crowd as watching the race. Yeah. I don't know. I'm biased. You know, I, I cannot comment on that, right? But the way I watch football, I mean, I know the players, of course. Of course, you know the players and the rules. But you don't put any passion whatsoever on what you're watching. That's true. So it's all more just passion of just drinking and enjoying everyone's company. Yep. Now, one last thing before we close out the show. Yep. Do not, if you plan to buy a book, a motorsport book, 
do not buy Sergio Perez's book. Uh oh, what's his it's not, book? It's it's not his book. I mean, they they, they wrote a book about him. Um, I'm not even sure if it's in English. I, I don't think so. But don't read it. Just no. Oh dear. Well, no. What's wrong with it? It's very. Uh, um, okay. You know, we have this tendency to hype, overhype every single Mexican athlete. Even okay. more so when it comes to stuff like motorsports, because there's, you know, there are not many Mexican drivers in, in top level series. Um, so just to put an example, I mean, they bash about uh, Maldonado for like six or so pages, calling no. him, calling him a paid driver because he had, you know, the sponsorship from uh, that Venezuelan oil company, oh. right? Oh. And every single time I read that, because they repeat that like 10 times, 10, 15 times. Every single time I read that, um, I went, okay, so what about, you know, the Claro logos and Telmex and every single Mexican company in the car? Yeah, I was going to say, Perez is as much a pay driver as Maldonado. Perez is just better, therefore ended up getting paid for it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, yeah. in fairness, most people are pay drivers. I think there's um, like five or six in the last 10 years that haven't been pay drivers. And there was one one other thing. I mean, for one, uh, the book is really watered down. It, it's meant for like very very new fans of the sport. Okay, so it's appealing to a a demographic that doesn't necessarily know much about said sport. Yes, and there's a bit where they explain they, they do this very dumb explanation about the safety car. Oh. Uh -oh. In the written part, and they explained that the last driver that ever died on an F1 track was Jules Bianchi. Um, oh, well, he didn't really, you know, it was a fatal accident, he didn't die in the track, yeah. To yeah, begin he, with. he had the crash on track, the trash that ended up killing him was on track, yeah, admittedly. But the but worst bit about it, oh, yeah, it gets it, it gets it, yeah, there's an infographic about the safety car and it's it's sort of like steps it, it shows you step by step what does the safety car do but it does it in the shape of a track and you know the dots and and the arrows are, are you know they're laid on the track you know what yeah. track was that uh well if you'd have thought hermanos rodriguez would be mexico city i'd have thought uh-uh suzuka what Oh no! They I, I, don't know, oh. I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it, I got so pissed at it. I, I literally threw the book. I, I got that's really weird. Mad at it. Literally, it, any Mexican track would have done the job. It, it, it came. It came to me like very disrespectful. That's very strange and just tasteless. That's very odd. Mm -hmm. We've got this great book about a Mexican driver. We're going to use a Japanese track to uh, highlight the safety car. After That's talking weird. about that of a driver in that very same track. Oh, that's just, that's wrong on so many levels. Yes. So Dude. don't read that book. No, I, I think I'm going to give it a miss. <laughs> yes, please, please do. And on that note, on such tasteless confusion, we got to end the show. We got to end the first show of the year. Thank you very yes, much. And, Thank you. Very yeah, much. And it's and it should be remembered that Chris was not here. It yes, was Chris, just you and me at the end. Chris did not finish the start of the year with us. 
Disappointing. Yes. See you next week, everybody. Yes. Bye.